0: Hello, I'm Imre and this is the podcast of non-formal learning methods and I would like to introduce my uh, wonderful and impressive uh, discussion partner, Pauline. May I ask you to introduce yourself shortly?
1: Hi, I'm Pauline Grace. I'm um, a master's programme leader from Newman University in Birmingham, which is in the Midlands in the UK.
0: Mm -hmm. And as as, uh, uh, a member of a university, as a Teacher, sorry for the, uh, (laughs) for the word, but uh, how, how do you decide to use non-formal methods and why are you involved in this, this Hmm. area any, anyhow?
1: Uh, It's interesting that you ask that because, um, in England specifically, youth work has a really long history and I can swap the word youth work for informal education. You could always say one was the other. So if you're going to be teaching somebody in university about the philosophy and practice of youth work, it's almost impossible to do that without using informal education methods because we teach what we do and we experience what we learn and that's really important. Experiential learning is at the heart of our university course. Yes, we have all of the assessments, and people have to write all of the, you know, assignments and essays, and they have to do formal presentations, which are assessed. But in terms of teaching the skill and the theory of youth work and informal education, people learn by doing. Um, it's not a purely lecture theatre-based experience. People aren't sitting in three hundred people for four hours listening. That'd be impossible. <laughs> It'd be impossible for me and it would definitely be impossible for the students. So informal education is at the heart of what my philosophy it's at the heart of the way that I hope I was as a youth worker and I as a an educator. I'm an informal educator within a formal education setting and that creates some tensions but it's also very interesting.
0: And what's the point of view of, of the university, because as I remember my university time was about the tests mm-hmm. and you know, the, the exams, mm-hmm. uh, end of the years, the counting of the credits and so on and so forth.
1: Yeah. And we, st- we still have to do all of those things at university, however how we get students to that point differs. So um, I view our students as co-creators of the curriculum co-creators of the curriculum I have an idea about where I think we need to be going and and certainly in the first and the second year of the degree that's pretty laid out um, and sorted in the third year we even ask our students to tell us what we want what they want us to assess them on and what criteria they want to be measured by and what do they need to be able to establish that they've learned by the end of that module And so we move from a student being quite passive to a student being really active and taking responsibility for their own learning journey. And as I say, we're co-creators of that. So students will um, do their own research, come back and, and talk about that research to the group and that will change the direction of where we're going.
0: Uh, you told from passive students to change to active students. Is it similar in, in the United Kingdom too? Because uh, I I'm, I'm came from Hungary and there's, the students generally came out from the secondary school or, or high school with a, 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 a huge amount of passivity mm. because this is what expected from them in, in the school education. Mm. Is it similar in, in UK? It
1: is. It is, um, especially with our younger students because we have students ranging from the age of 18 all the way up to mm. like 55. So so we have students at any age coming on to our degree, a master's degree, and certainly the younger ones expect to be told what to think, told what to repeat, and want to know the answers to the questions. <laughs> and, uh, and, and what we specialise in is informal education and critical thinking. Uh, And so it's quite of a shock for those young people to be told, well, I want to know what you think, I want to know what you feel, I I want to know what your experience is, because your experience is as important as the theory about this experience. And then the magic is, how do we relate the theory to the practice and marry them together? And then we've got practice. I see. And something happens in the second year that the students, the light bulb goes on. (laughs) Okay. But it's quite a scary journey, I think, for some of those students.
0: And do they have any difference between if somebody came as a fresh graduated from a high school or, as you told, 25 years old and had had some experiences from the life?
1: Yeah, I'm, you know, I I don't like to generalize about age because I've met some really mature 18-year-olds who've got lots of life experience and really immature 30-year-olds who don't know how to tie their shoelace, okay? (laughs) But in general the more life experience somebody has the better they are equipped for our university degree because our university degree isn't just about theory our university degree also assesses people in practice so almost a third of the course they're not in university they're out in youth work projects or in formal education projects doing doing what they're supposed to be doing learning by being with people and being assessed on that too so, if you've got some live experience, that helps.
0: I'm, I'm curious just because, you know, as, as you mentioned now, it's informal learning. So, mm-hmm. we, we can call the live generally informal learning process. It is, of course. And, but, what, but the non-formal learning uh, uh, can, can handle it. The experiences came from this informal process. Yeah,
1: yeah. And for me, um, I hope our students would tell you their experiences of our course. It means that they feel respected, valued, heard that um, lots of the learning happens through conversation and dialogue, also through playing and taking risks, getting to know yourself in order to understand how you interact with others. Mm. Um, And all of that's kind of fundamental to the philosophy of working with people. Through informal, non-formal education methods, you learn a lot about yourself and you need to know a lot about yourself before you can work effectively with other people.
0: Shall you mention some tools? Because I'm a big fan of methods. Mm. I'm a methodological guy, and you know, as I remember, a university you have fixed chairs, uh, rooms were totally not capable to do training courses and everything. Which kind of methods it's 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 you are capable to use in the daily routine in the university?
1: Uh, Well, our university knows our subject area now because we've been there ten years. So they know not to put us in a lecture theatre with a fixed seating. So wherever we're teaching, our rooms are always small. So we're looking at a maximum of 30 people at one time. We sit in circles. We often don't have desks because what we're doing is um, talking, sharing and learning. We will occasionally use whiteboards and PowerPoint presentations and computers. Sometimes we'll leave the classroom altogether and we'll walk around the woods or the river or go into the city and visit a project and talk to a manager. Um, in terms of methods, one of the very first things we ask our students to do is a timeline. So from when they were born until they come to university, what major things have happened in their life to shape who they are. And that really sets the standard and that sets the expectation that this course is going to ask you to talk a lot about yourself and make those connections with other people. Um, talking and listening, as conversation, is underrated because we take it for granted, but it's actually quite a complex method in terms of shut up, stop talking, <laughs> and listen to what the other person's trying to tell you and then mirror that back. So, lots of our stuff is based around that. As well as the usual kind of icebreaker games and warming up games and we play a lot of games which on the face of it if you're the professor for education and you walk past our classroom sometimes it looks like we're just having fun but through fun we're learning by going to the top of our university building and throwing eggs off the top that we've tried to create a parachute so -hmm. that they don't smash when they touch the floor. People are learning about working in groups, people are learning about physics, people are learning about communication, people are learning about leadership from throwing eggs off the top of the building.
0: Um, you, you told these kind of skills that they developed or, or developed by uh, different exercises or, or tools and uh, do you have any strong connection to the eight key competencies of the European structures? I cannot call European Union anymore, but yeah, yeah, uh, you yeah. know this European kind of thinking about the non-formal learning. We we use these eight key competences too, or, or do you develop your own uh, way for it?
1: Um, when I looked at um, in non-formal and informal education, and uh, there's a bit of an issue in terms of English speakers' and competence. Yeah? So I really don't like the word competence because it means just good enough yeah? in kind of just. <laughs> and actually, what I want our students to be is excellent and proficient and really good at, not just good enough. Um, and so there's lots of crossovers between the eight competence areas uh, which we could map and we could say, yes, we do that. Yeah, that's absolutely. Um, but then, you you know, you look at youth work history in England and we've got 100 years of education yeah, and training. Yes. I,
0: in, I, I used to learn about it. There you go. <laughs> in the university. Yeah, there you go.
1: Um, so Settlements
0: um, and whatever. Yeah, and, yeah,
1: ragged school settlements, yeah. working in the community, yeah. working in a grassroots way not working alongside people rather than top-down, working for social justice and making, um, if there's an issue in the community, how can we work collectively to kind of solve the problem, challenging power and status, all of those stuff, right? And you can map that directly over the competencies. Um, Our curriculum is, is pretty laid down by our National Youth Agency, So our National Youth Agency say if you're at university studying this course somewhere in the UK, you'll cover all of these aspects. So how do you work with people? How do you build communities? How do you work in a management style with those things? Management style in informal education, really? Yes, of course. Well, how do we do that? We get our students to put together a project profile and... To write an application for funders, and we bring in those funders, and they have to do their application live in front of funders. So it's real life; it's theory and it's action. And sometimes they get the money and they do the projects.
0: It uh, sounds really practical. Yeah, as in, in real life, it's, it can prove the, the, the reasons why do you choose. But uh, I, I know two big uh, area what want to measure the knowledge, and one in in a. Yeah official mm-hmm. uh, educational area mm-hmm. like universities yeah, they yeah. always want to measure yep. and the other other area i at the labor markets mm actors mm. because uh, of course if you, somebody knows you personally knows your knowledge but in the labor market it's so difficult you, yeah. you have to write your cv yeah. you apply for a job yep. and what do you think how capable these two area the universities mm-hmm. the official education and the labor market yep. to, to took uh, this kind of measurement to, yep. to measure your the knowledge what you developed yep. by these skills
1: yeah a really good question and actually we have to tackle that question every year because we're a qualification we're a professional qualification for youth and community work so that's stipulated by the the labour force the labour force that tells yeah. us this your students need to graduate with these skills and experiences at the same time they're also leaving with a degree or a higher degree so the university says that the minimum required for a student to get a degree is this pass grade and so uh, we constantly are working with the tension of practice and theory, we're constantly trying to relate one to the other and interestingly enough we attract non-traditional students to our degree, by that I mean students who haven't done well at school academically but have got quite a lot of life experience and they come in with really low expectations of themselves and our course especially in our university in make sure that those students leave with first class honours degrees the thing that they would never thought they were able to achieve by using non-formal and informal education methods by working with their experience already and understanding their experts already in their own lives and working with people and then amplifying that and relating it to the theory that we learn so our students will come in with the least amount of qualifications of everybody in the university and they're within the top ten of the percentage of students who graduate and go into jobs with high-class honours degrees. So we work quite hard in the three years on their confidence, on their self-esteem, on their belief, on their understanding that they're already very capable, very, very expert at working with people.
0: Hey, it's so, so good. <laughs> so, so good. No, just just to 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 close our discussion, I have a really um, deep questions to you. What do you remember? And what was your first impression connected to the non formal educational tools or whatever? Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I guess because I'm a product of youth work and non formal education, so I went to youth club when I was younger, I didn't go to school. I hated school. but I went to youth club, um, and I remember that. There were some main differences. The first difference was at school I wasn't called by my first name and I wasn't able to call the teacher by their first name. And when I went into the youth centre, the youth worker said, Hey Pauline, how you doing? (laughs) And I said, Hey Stan, how are you? And we were equals. And I was really conscious of the power dynamic. And that was the moment the light bulb went on for me. That not all adults are the same and that you can have adults in young people's lives that show them that there's a difference that they can make. And then I entered this world of youth work and non-formal and informal education where we learnt by doing. And I was like, I want to do this for the rest of my life. And I have.
0: <laughs> yes, it could be an impressive moment. I, I, can, I can manage a younger you to, to meet with this situation. Mm. So, thank you very much, Pauline. This was thank a you. great discussion. Have a nice time.